Welcome to Inflection Points, helping tech leaders navigate a new path to growth. My name is Joe Hine, and this is part two of my interview with Sir Martin Sorrell. If you haven't listened to part one, I urge you to listen to that now. We learned so much about his early career and how he launched WPP. In part two, we go deep into how and why he set up S4 Capital, the impact of AI on the advertising industry, how he approaches deal making and what he enjoys the most, how he competes with Google and Facebook, and the future of S4 Capital. From SI Partners, this is Inflection Points. You've built quite a reputation for being a deal maker throughout your, your career. You've led a lot of these deals personally. What is your process for identifying opportunities? Um, you know, what factors do you consider when you're evaluating targets? Hey, probably the, the, the most important one is a, is a judgment on the, the people. But I mean, it's very, very different. It's different between big companies and small companies. If I think back to JWT, I mean, I mentioned there were three, there are three communities for a listed company. One is its shareholders, one is it people internally. And the other is the clients. And in, in the case of JWT, in all of the three, there was destabilization in all, all three areas. They lost clients, like it was part of the Ford account, Burger King at that time. Uh, there was uh, uh, Don Johnson had got rid of Burt Manning, uh, did, uh, didn't promote him to or didn't retire. I mean, the, the retirement age at JWT at that time was like 60, and Don Johnson was 64. And that was in the Articles of Association. And one of the shareholders came up to John Johnson at the meeting and said, you know, you're 64, why are you still there? And he said, because I'm chairman or CEO, whatever he, what he already said. So there was discontinuity internally. Uh, and there was discontinuity uh, amongst the shareholders too. So it, it, so that that's one sort of thing that we were looking at. You look at the biggest step. And, and that's opportunity, is it, to, to if, you, if you've got some disharmony? Yes. But you have to, you, you have to be very careful because you have to to delineate between the sort of bigger institu- what I would call institutional bills. The, the fact is what mm-hmm. people don't understand about JWT, about Ogilvy, about uh, Gray, about YNR, and in fact, I think don't, to be fair, don't understand about Publicis or Omnicom or IPG or WPP or Dentsu. Maybe Dentsu is a bit different because I think Japanese running an international business uh, in the advertising business for the Japanese is extremely difficult to do or or, or they don't understand about Havas inside Vivendi now. Maybe the first four are more clear examples. These are institutions. These are, you know, despite what you do to them, they still survive. And that now, uh, sadly, I mean, and I think wrongly, I think, you know, it was a reverse way around. You know, JWT and... Uh, YNR have probably been eviscerated by the mergers that took place with, with Wonderman and VML. And, and I think placing Wonderman and VML first, it obviously was important from a digital point of view, but it gave much to, you know, it was what it ended, it ended up being hollowed out. And I think the balance, the balance would, would have been better. So you've got to di- di- just differentiate between institutional businesses and, and much more fragile businesses, which are the smaller businesses. And coming to the smaller businesses, you know, we look at the management. Management ownership is a, cri- a critical issue. So motivation, if you like, revenue growth, margin, client pattern. What do clients say about them? What do what do people in the industry say about them? What do the media say about them? 
the trade press. I mean, we use all those sources to evaluate whether whether they share the same the same vision. In the case of S four, everybody is committed to you know digital only, data led, faster, better, more efficient, and more with with AI, and then a unitary model. Now, implementing these things is it's easier to talk about them than to to implement them. But you're getting people to sign on to that vision and the structure we have at S4 is, you know, half shares, half cash. So we're merging businesses. We're not acquiring businesses. So it's, so the answer about the criteria is it's different in different situations. Sure. With bigger businesses, which are much more institutional. Again, you know, people look, it's interesting. I think institutional investors and hedge funds and everybody, private equity look at these businesses, the big businesses like publicists, et cetera, as being collect- collections of people go up and down the lift. Well, that is true in part, but what they ignore, I mean, people don't understand. <laughs> Very few people understand. Vincent Bolloré understands it. Robert Maxwell, actually, before he died, understood it, but for nefarious reasons, that the throughput inside these businesses, you know, WPP's billings is $60 billion, I think $60 billion. That is as big as Accenture. Accenture is $50 billion, $60 billion, whatever it is now. So people don't understand that the throughput. I go back to what I said about who's the biggest buyer of inventory for the tech platforms. It's the holding companies. And, and, and you know, they don't, they don't push their billings numbers, but that's their receivables and their payables. Yep. When you look at working capital inside the holding companies, that thing. But what Bolloré understands and again, that's probably related to the fact that he's a media owner in, in France, is the, the holding companies have access to huge media power. Now, that was really important in the analog world, the linear world. It is less important in the digital world. And in the AGI world, it will become even less important. But that is a huge, huge uh, PowerPoint. You know, if you think about the businesses that we built at WPP in Brazil or India, where we had huge, you know, India, we had 50 market share. I think India, I don't know whether it still is 50%, but, but we had a 50% market share there, or close to. Yeah. Like huge. And, and, and that gave us immense influence uh, over advertising and marketing programs. Absolutely. You touched on there about um, S4 and, and your approach to deals now is, is part shares, part cash. So it is more much more of a merger um, tactic than, than the acquisition. But, you know, at WPP, um, the deals there were famously earnouts. Um, you know, kind of some, some money up front and some money in the future, depending on performance. Yeah. When do earnouts work and, and why have you now changed um, your tactic? Well, there are arguments for both. I mean, or for either. Um, and each have, have their advantage and their disadvantage. I mean, the, the problem with earnouts is drop dead after the earnout. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit like I remember one chairman of a major company saying, you know, getting to CEO was like a hundred yard dash, and when you when you you got to the tape and you became the CEO, you you collapsed. And I think the earnout suffers from that. You know, you you see that in in some of the structures that have been put together. There's too much on the the back end mm-hmm. uh, and there's too much you know driving and there's there's too little in- integration the theory behind s4 is that that would you know you 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 capitalize on half of your business and the other half you let run so you have a vested interest in in building a combined operation a unitary again that's chat and that's talk implementing it is not easy and you have to get everybody you know everybody 
at least you know legally theoretically signs up for that through the through the structure uh, that you put in place. But it's interesting. I mean, people's motivation. There are people who are you know motivated by that, and there are people who are not. So the answer is each each system has its advantages and its flaws. Uh, but you have to work hard to make uh, either work. I, my own view is the, the structure that we have at S4 is a, is a better structure, but we're yet to prove, because you know, this is for the long term, it's not for the short term, we're yet to prove that that's the case. Yeah, um, and interesting to see how it pans out. Uh, I think once you said about Warren Buffett um, investing in, in the business, uh, it was rumoured that in 2012 he uh, sat down with you at lunch and tried to buy WPP. It's not rumoured, um, it, it was... You know, he is the best investor. And one of the things that he does, you know, he he analyzes something and he says, this is what it's worth. Mm-hmm. And he's not prepared to compromise that. And, I, you know, I look back at that. I think the stock was trading at about 750 if I remember rightly. And his takeout price was about 925 I think. Yeah, about 20% premium. Yes. And, and the, the average premium for a UK listed company at that time was about 30%. Mm. Our advisors said, you know, it had to be a thousand in their view. I would have taken it actually. It would be interesting. Yeah. But today it's not even at a thousand. Yeah. It's not even at 925. <laughs> it's actually at 925. <laughs> so it did get up to get up to get up to, to get up to 20 or 19 or whatever. Uh, but, but it's just, you know, just interesting to you no, know, he's he is amazing. He's absolutely amazing. Yeah, and um, you know, he it, it, it's really interesting what he said. You know, going back to where we started the conversation, he said, "Unfortunately, I couldn't get because of my cancer and my my treatment that I'm having at the moment. I can't fly for four weeks, and I was due to go to Omaha. I go to Omaha every year to listen to the the sage of Omaha, mm. and um, but I was watching it." And, uh, you know, he, he said every one of his businesses, I think virtually every one of his businesses is going to have a down year this year. Mm-hmm. So, which was interesting to hear him say. And he sounded pretty cautious. Okay. In, and, and his equity portfolio, I think, is about $350 billion, and half of that's in Apple. Oh, is it? So, he's got, he's got, he's got huge, yeah, I think it's $170 billion out of 350 is in Apple. Quite concentrated. Yeah. It? And the rest of it is in cash. I can't remember how much he's got in cash. Is it 150 in cash, under fifteen. Just going back to deal making. Yeah, you know it has been such a big part of your of your life. What's the bit, the element that you enjoy the most? What I really enjoy. Well, there's three things that you do. One, you you spend about a third of your time internally. Mm-hmm. You spend about a third of your time external, or should do with clients externally. You know, and 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 a third with with, say, shareholders, institutions, if, if you're a listed company. So it's a, a third, a third, a third. So and I enjoy all of those things. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people say, why, why, why would you want to run a listed company, particularly in the UK? But, um, and the answer is it's enjoyable because you're dealing with, you know, going back to your question about how do you deal with, you know, the, the good and the ugly, mm. it's because of the variety. So it, it all offers challenges, and I think that's pretty stimulating. Now, private equity, as its name suggests, is done in private. Mm-hmm. You know, despite what they say about what they're doing in terms of ESG or DEI, it's basically done in private. I mean, it, it isn't done with the glare 
and the focus mm-hmm. uh, on the, the spotlight, media spotlight. To the well, it is to some extent, but not, but not totally. And of course, it's short. T- the other thing about Variety Equity is it's short term. It's a three year, four year, five year run. Yeah, and then you're out, and then you've got these continuation funds. You know, I know one hedge fund manager who's made a substantial fortune by specializing in continuation funds. These are funds that buy successful deals, basically, when they finish their three, four, or five-year run. And the, 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 the founding private equity partner wants to, to, churn, to earn the return for the funds to raise money for the next fund, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, I, it, but coming back to the question, I enjoy all of that. I wouldn't say it's just, just deals. It's about, I think I get a, a, a real kick out of developing relationships with clients from which uh, revenue flows. I think that's really, and understand, and I think the really interesting thing about it, it goes back to when I answered your question about how do you deal with adversity, um, is trying to understand what is driving their strategy. I mean, at the moment, mm-hmm. I think they're moving down the funnel, execution, implementation, return on sales, measurement, return on investment is critically important. That's one thing. So that's one thing that's happening. The second thing is in a slow growth, higher than we would like inflation, higher than we would like interest rate uh, world, fragmented world, as I said, where AGI is helping, you know, di- digital Digital transformation is going to become hugely, even more important. It's hugely important now, even more important. I mean, AGI, we're underestimating the impact of that, in my view. We're, in, we're not even the foothills of, of this. Interesting. And, uh, you know, not just our industry, but all industries. And I think um, those two things, so, so the fragmented world and the slower growth world, higher inflation, higher interest rates are going to make people look at things in a very different way, less global, more regional, maybe even country by country. And then the second thing is they're going to really focus on digital translation. Like the CEO of the business I saw on Friday, he said, you know, I said, how do you see Europe? He said, slower growth, we're cutting cost. You know, he sees Asia, the pillar there, North and South America, and Africa and the Middle East. But he's really focusing in Europe, in, say for France, Germany, Spain, and UK, where the growth prospects look pretty difficult, and in his particular case, the retail trade is so violent and virulent, you know, Aldi, et cetera, are pushing so hard on prices and procurement that it means they're looking for growth in other parts of the world. I want to touch on S4 Capital and the sign behind you and when you started that. And yeah. you, you made an interesting point earlier about um, private equity and, and the fact, you know, with S4 Capital, you chose to list rather than um, take private equity. You, you stand out in the industry by doing so. There's many other businesses like, um, well, you're Mr. Jones and it's now called Brand, uh, can't recall, but, and then Brand you've got- tech. Uh, Brand Tech, yeah. Brand Tech, thank you. Um, you've got Stagwell, for example. You know, these businesses that chose to go down the private equity route, but but you've, you've done it publicly. And, and, but, but also, you know, and that, that has- Stag, Stagwell is public, so Brand Tech is private. Big, I mean, a big originally yeah, it was private equity back. Yeah, debt debt would be another one, you know, which is K, KKR, I think, or Carlisle. And, um, it's Carlisle. You know, Carlisle. Yeah, and there, there's, I think, a marketing process. For It's interesting that I think the private equity partners are looking at, at 
you know, moving on to another private equity partner. So, so, but they're different structures. You know, we're trying to build one brand. We operate as media.monks to reflect the origins of Media Monks and Mighty Hive, and which were in content and data and analytics and digital media. And now we've added our technology services business, which is Omoga and Theorem One have come together as one. But what we're trying to do is to build one brand. So our operating approach is very, very different to those two that you mentioned or those three that you mentioned. That we're trying to build one PL and one business that works seamlessly. Easy to say, difficult to do. We have 9,000 people in 32 countries, you know, after five years. And, you know, we've done we've done well. We've got a client list to die for that everybody would give their right arm for sure. and, and at scale. So our top 13 clients are over 50% of our business dominated by tech, by the biggest tech companies in the world and the most successful ones. So, you know, I, I think, I think we've done very well on that where, where we need to up our game is on the integration and obviously profitability. Our margins were 20%, 21%. They last year they were 14 and that's, you know, this year we're targeting 15, 16. And that's where we have to, to up our game. Easy, again, easy to say, not so easy to do. So people, particularly entrepreneurs or founders, as we like to call ourselves, tend to look at, back at the history. And, you know, they started in a garage or in a basement. And, you know, they have a, an emotional affiliation to their brand and their brands. So, so getting people to surrender that. And, and actually, it's interesting. The media dot monks um, brand brand platform gives them immense. You know, if you want to call yourselves cashmere dot monks, you can, mm-hmm. or jam three dot monks, you can, or you know, tech dot monks, you can. Gotcha. Uh, formula dot 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 monks, you can. <laughs> the tech. So so there's tremendous. Actually, the the the, the system that was put in the branding system that was put in is immensely flexible and gives people enormous license to 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 go back to their roots or to reflect their roots but it's still difficult to do yeah absolutely just to, talking about media monks because i mean media monks was the first deal for s4 capital yeah um how did you manage to achieve it you you were coming from from nothing behind you it was a competitive process a very desirable business I heard a story. You ended up sleeping in the the lawyers' offices trying to get the the deal done. It, no, is no, this we, true? Didn't, we didn't. We didn't sleep in. We slept in the media monk's office actually. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. <laughs> we actually we, we 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 actually got it done because there was heavy competition from WPP, ironically, or maybe not so ironically, maybe understandably, and uh, they they promised all sorts of things, burnout type things. Um, anyway, we 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 got it done. I think the private equity house. Was more more attracted to the um, the the earnout and the WPP with more cash than it was with us. We were half shares, half cash. Mm. Um, but we we ended up uh, where's Victor and I ended up on the couch. I think it was in it was in the Hilversum office or the Amsterdam office. And we were laid, laid out laid out. Maybe it was <laughs> maybe it was in the lawyer's office. It was, but we we actually slept together. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's how you get deals done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So Martin, we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you one more question that I, I always ask all my guests. Um, you know, so we've re, we've looked back and reflected. I, I want to look forward, and, and you've shared some thoughts. Um, you know, and, and not all of them incredibly positive. But I'd like to know what's exciting you about the next twelve months and and the prospects. Well, I think I think it's the two things that oh, maybe it's three things. I mean, it's the emphasis of clients on performance. So I think that gives us you know an edge. Mm-hmm. I think it's this focus on regions, which I think also gives us an edge. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's the focus on on technology. It's not just, I mean, the 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 bit the Bitcoin phenomenon, the NFT phenomenon have faded. Yeah, the price of Bitcoin has come back again, but somewhat I can't, which I still can't understand. But blockchain is a hugely important technology which people tend to forget about. I'm not a great fan of uh, Bitcoin because I don't really understand it. I mean, I'm in the Buffett-Munger camp on that, and I don't really understand NFTs at high price. At a low price, you know, high volume, I sort of understand it. I think the metaverse really gives us a big opportunity, and we have an edge there too. And then you get into AI and, more importantly, AGI, and there's a huge opportunity there. I mean, it can be some negatives and it can be, but I think net is a positive. I mean, I'm, I'm from a general point of view, forgetting about our industry, I think AGI is going to result in less employment. You know, you go back to John Maynard Keynes, I think in 1933, actually, he said, we, you know, we were going to spend because of automation and industrialization, we were going to spend more time on holiday. I think he talked about 15, <laughs> 15 hour, 15 hour working weeks. Well, it didn't happen. But I think that there is, you know, there's this whole ethical issue. You know, Graham Hinton, I think it was Graham Hinton, Hinton anyway, who was at Google, uh, left, resigned because he, he, he couldn't. In, when you listen to what he said, he, he said, you know, no, if 10,000 10, bots will understand instantly what's going on, no human being will know what 9,999 other human beings thinking about so the power that these 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 machines will have raises massive uh, ethical issues or control issues so that the old science fiction film about the the bots taking over or the machines taking over and being more intelligent humans is something that's deeply worrying you know for all sorts of reasons but putting that big thing (laughs) to one side for a minute um, I think the potential of this is absolutely huge, and I don't think we are on the, you know, we're not even the foothills of it. So this is another industrial revolution, which, you know, rivals of the phone and others. And, of course, the speed of it, it's a bit like SVB. SVB went went down instantly because of the power of digital communication. You know, what, what, how long did it take? Two months? What was it? 100 million users in, what, two months, was it, for, for chat GPT? So you are talking about changes taking place at light speed. And I think, you know, the health, it's like the metaverse. You know, it gets a bad rap. But when you actually see what's happening in healthcare, what's happening in science, what's happening in training, what's happening in work from home, what's happening in working methods, sports, entertainment, music, mm. in the metaverse, I mean, it's huge. So these things get panned sometimes for good reason, but sometimes for bad reason. Yeah. Well, so Martin, thank you ever so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Very good. 
SI Partners is a leading corporate finance boutique for agencies, consultancies, and technology providers at the forefront of the digital economy. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Joe Hine, and you've been listening to Inflection Points.